Caitlin, what do you feel like will make you stand out as a millennial next weekend? Uh, I'm not going to lie. I I love a good, not even like a skin tight. <laughs> this is sounding so weird. Why am I losing the word? <laughs> skinny <for> jeans. <laughs> not a skinny jeans. Yeah, skinny jeans. jeans. <laughs> oh, a skin tight. I love a skin, a skin tight, tight denim personally. <laughs> I want to leave nothing oh. to the imagination. <laughs> no. Oh man, I I am. I feel like I am a sucker for the skinny jeans, but I know logically in my mind that I will not be doing that, but know that I've considered it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Wait, what's wrong with skin? Okay, honestly, what is wrong with skinny jeans? I was, because I still wear mine. I was just about to say. I like that. I, I like skinny jeans. I think the baggy jeans are nice every once in a while, but I also have baggy tops. And if I wear a baggy top with a baggy jean, I'm like, I look like a gremlin, honestly. And like, I don't love that for me. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I need a mix. Yes. I need the, the both options. I want the contrast. But yeah, yeah, of like the, you know what I mean, where it's like you, yeah, you can have like a baggy top and then a more tapered leg. It, you know, it's just, <laughs> I don't know why. It's... <laughs> uh, maybe I need therapy for this part too, but like I can't get over my skinny jeans. Like okay. it took me so long in life to reach the skinny jean point mm -hmm. that I'm just like not before? ready to go back. Were you a straight leg? Oh my god, like straight leg boot cut, wear okay, with my ariettes, like you know. Oh, what is an ariette? Like a boot, I like working boots. I is don't that the brand. Yeah. yeah, I feel bad. I feel like I should know this by now, but I don't. I don't. I don't know, don't. This. I don't know that um, word. I've never heard that word before. Yeah, it's like a brand of boot, like work boots. A southern boot, a southern boot. Yeah. <laughs> no literally uh, no. <laughs> or the occasional Carhartt which Caitlin is still a fan of so oh, <laughs> yes oh I love a good Carhartt which <laughs> might also give me away as a millennial because I feel like everyone has like moved on from them but I'm like nope I've invested my life savings in Carhartt like <laughs> <laughs> I've actually kept Carhartt in business yeah yeah exactly <laughs> single-handedly exactly <laughs> What what else is Gen Gen Z versus oh the middle part? I do have a mi a middle yeah. part. Yeah. But that's on me, honestly. Lenny, <laughs> I've I've gotta point out you don't have a middle part. Is no, that... I don't have a middle part. <laughs> Start a middle part. I mean... <laughs> what would it look like? Okay, so fun fact, I tried to do a I wanted to do a flow. So like over the winter I was like getting longer hair. Like intentionally. Mm -hmm. And then it reached that point where I felt like I was back in like seventh grade trying to be like Justin Bieber, Bieber all over again. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just like, I, I can't do this. Like I, it was too long. Sometimes you have to set those boundaries. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like I was picturing those memories from like <laughs> yeah. middle school at the dance when it was just like gross. Mm, like in your face, and, in your eyes. And you didn't know how to yeah. take care of it, I'm guessing, right? Like nah, it was always kind of nah. yucky. Yeah. I hate to see it. And <laughs> on top of all of that, my hair also like curls when it gets long. And so what? it was like curling at the bottom. Like I had like little ducktails. Little, little like, mullet situation. Yeah. Mullet. It was just 
Yeah. God, Except there was no party here. or business. It was just cringe. <laughs> <laughs> we learn from these lessons and we grow stronger because it's, of them. It's so true. It's so true. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Lexi. And I'm Lane. And I'm Caitlin. And this is My Therapist Told Me, the podcast where we unpack our lives and encourage you to do the same. Hey, How are we doing today, y'all? <laughs> doing well? Doing well? Let's go ahead and jump into it so that way we can get <laughs> going. I am so excited to have my friend, Caitlin, on the podcast today. And I guess soon to be friend of Lexi because we're all going to a music festival together and all sleeping in the same vicinity so gonna have to um become friends <laughs> let's hope the podcast goes well oh my god yeah that's true if the podcast doesn't go well then i'm uninvited from the music exactly. festival and everything <laughs> friendship if age wasn't enough kid. um <laughs> yeah okay lane <laughs> with the side part calm down yeah <laughs> Good one, Caitlin. Get him. Uh, Get him. <laughs> got him. Um, so welcoming my friend Caitlin to the podcast today. I'm very excited because we're going to talk about all things ADHD and who knows where we're going to go from there. So I'm very, very excited to welcome you, Caitlin. Thank you so much for having me, Lane. I'm, I'm really excited to be here with y'all. And um, I feel like your summary of all things ADHD and we don't know where we might go from there is like a good summary of ADHD, unfortunately. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm so thrilled to be here. Obviously, you know, I can only speak from my experiences, but I'd love to share them with y'all. So. Yay. Yeah. Well, we're excited to learn more and hear more, but do you want to start with just a little introduction about yourself? Just, you know, who you are, things that, you enjoy doing anything any little tidbits about you that you want to share yeah so my name's caitlin and i currently live in atlanta georgia and i've got two cats uh which i feel like is a stereotype at this point but yes like you know just a queer woman with cats uh classic <laughs> and uh, <laughs> wait what are their names caitlin give us their names their names are totally respectable human names uh butters and toast is, is what I, <laughs> I love that i want to name all of my animals after food too <laughs> it felt like the first one butters it like absolutely suited him to have that name and then with the second cat it was like well you have to stick with with the theme so that's fair that that is what i ended up doing <laughs> but yeah i'm trying to think right now some of my hobbies are like rollerblading inline skating it's it's very fun. I've repicked that up. I feel like my hobbies overall change a lot. Uh, I feel like my greatest hobby is like having a lot of hobbies. So there's that. <laughs> I love <laughs> like drawing. We love ever growing, ever evolving. Yeah. You know, <laughs> just like which really just translates to it's like you buy all of the things for a hobby, and then three months later you're like, well, I don't need that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> 
but I'm trying to think. Oh, yeah. So I am a product designer or a UX designer. I, I feel like there are so many names for what we all do. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I think that's it for my intro about myself. Is there anything <laughs> else that I should mention? I'm really trying to think here. I have ADHD. Wow. <laughs> Shock. <laughs> Shocker. Surprise, well, surprise, the big reveal. <laughs> Since you mentioned it, will you tell us a little bit more about that when you were diagnosed, how you feel like that maybe presents itself in your life or impacts day to day, whatever you feel comfortable sharing? Yeah, absolutely. So it's it's really interesting because I feel like so I, I, first of all, wasn't diagnosed until I was 29 years old. Mm-hmm. And I dealt with anxiety for so much of my life. And I, I sort of just always assumed that it was just anxiety. And so I, I wasn't diagnosed until much later in life and had been trying to treat that anxiety this whole time and didn't realize that anxiety could just be part of a bigger picture, you know? Okay. I'd always dealt with like panic attacks and I feel like I was, yeah, born with this ability to like catastrophize any situations. I just always attributed that to being anxious. So yeah, it wasn't until my dad actually suddenly passed away that my mom, you know, as we were like cleaning up the estate and getting everything in order, she just offhandedly mentioned like, oh yeah, your dad had been diagnosed with ADHD at one point. And I remember being floored by that because I had heard that it could be like a hereditary thing. Um, Mm -hmm. And so suddenly I started paying more attention to, you know, certain traits and features and stuff. And I was like, oh, you know, I think I know what this is. So (laughs) so that is finally when I, you know, was able to like seek the help of uh, at that point. I wanted to talk to like my psychiatrist because, you know, it's like if if you've worked with psychiatrists for anxiety or other things, it's like that could be a good go to point. And, you know, she immediately was like, oh, okay, yeah, like this is (laughs) like this makes sense. Um, And so that I think that was sort of my my weird entry point. Like I started realizing like, okay, all of these symptoms that I've felt for a long time um, Mm. are probably linked to this and not just Mm anxiety in general. So what were some of those other symptoms you mentioned? Catastrophizing, panic attacks. Was there anything else? Yeah, I think so this probably ties more into the ADHD part of it. I I have always struggled to finish things that I start. And I think a lot of people maybe do, but it's like a it's so classic. Um same thing with going, you know, from hobby to hobby. It's just like weird stuff like that. Which, again, I always just assumed that it was kind of normal for everyone to do that. Um, And obviously, there are varying degrees of normal and like what everyone thinks is normal and and stuff like that. But I didn't realize that some of those items could point to a specific diagnosis. I I feel like I I had to work twice as hard to get like half as much done in school. And Mm -hmm. that was exhausting. And I realized like one of the big problems was if I just wasn't interested in doing something like it was not going to get done. And so that mm-hmm. I feel like led to this complex of me just being like, oh, you're just like lazy or you're you're kind of dumb. Like I it, which is hard because I think after years and years, like you can internalize that and then it becomes mm-hmm. very much like a 
that, you know, the narrative that you tell yourself every day, right. trying to take on new tasks or do anything, you're like, well, I'm, I'm lazy and dumb. So like, I don't know if, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's challenging. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think I'm trying to remember what, uh, I mean, forgetfulness is also, I think, part of ADHD <laughs> and for sure something that I experience all the time. I, I always joke with myself that if I had a ghost in my house, like I wouldn't know because I would just like walk out one morning and I'd be like, oh, no, I left all the sinks on and the cabinets open again. And, you know, I feel like at a certain point, the ghost would probably just get tired of of my <laughs> messiness and start cleaning up after me. <laughs> like I'd be like, oh, my God, these these clothes weren't folded yesterday. Like, it, you know, it'd just be like totally ridiculous. It's like Caitlin didn't notice for three weeks that I fixed <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. her. The ghost like writes a resignation letter like I can no longer <laughs> haunt you. <laughs> and I'd be like, oh, no, I wrote a resignation letter. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't even work this job. Why yeah, I'm just like, wow, I, I have no memory of this classic me. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the forgetfulness, that is something that I didn't realize was so common in ADHD. And I also didn't realize that I, I think ADHD can present differently, you know, in, in women and people with uteruses, people uh, socialize as women. Like mm-hmm. it's it's not the typical um, it might not be the typical like hyperactive kid who, you know, maybe can't sit down or is struggling. It like it can look so different. And so I, I think, you know, on one hand, it was like when I was finally diagnosed, it was like, oh, wow, like I feel really validated. Um, but then also, you know, I it, I thought about how it might not change my life that much because I've had to build up like so many systems to remember things and do things and like complete tasks that it's like, you know, what what can a diagnosis do for that? And those I think those are a lot of the things that I end up working on with my therapist, you know, because it's it's like I I I'm not, you know not here to like push medication. I realize a lot of people don't want to be medicated in the U S it's also like a huge, there are a lot of barriers for access and stuff too, but I will say, um, you know, working with a psychiatrist has been helpful, but there's so many other like life skills and life things that I just have to be like, all right, I gotta figure out a way to do this practical mm-hmm. things. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So Caitlin, you mentioned working with a, psychiatrist and if i understood that right too like you do take medication for your adhd yep in in that vein slash on the other side of it working with like a therapist on these things um you know do you talk about your adhd with your therapist do you talk more about like the diagnosis or how it manifests itself in your life and you know what's your journey been like with that yeah it's a, a great question I think before I even get into that, I feel like most recently when I was finding my current therapist, finding someone who expressed and sort of disclosed that they had experience working with ADHD clients mm-hmm. was such a mm-hmm. huge yes. like thing that I was looking for. Like that was such important criteria for me to be like, okay, someone who's informed about this and you know, I I also I I appreciate that like my therapist even disclosed that like they also have ADHD and so that makes it I think that made it seem a little bit easier to sort of trust that person and and just you know like they can see where I'm coming from. 
a lot of the conversations I have with my therapist around my ADHD have more to do with, I think, practical applications. Um, and also, mm. I think fixing some of the, you know, I don't know if they're like, it's like some of them are insecurities or I think just some of the narratives uh, that I've mm. crafted and told myself, um, mm. especially the narratives that came up before I knew I had ADHD. Um, so I think there's there's a lot of focus there about uh, trying to give myself more compassion and mm. I think trying to, I don't know, just find ways to reduce a lot of like life's anxieties. Obviously, you would talk about that with therapists. That makes sense. But but I think specifically <laughs> through the lens of, you know, oftentimes it feels like maybe my nervous system is just always sort of like responding differently to certain things or, yeah, it's just like certain stimulus affects it differently. And so just I think tapping into some of those resources has been really, really helpful. And that kind of focused therapy experience has has been great because, yeah, with with the psychiatrist, I think there are benefits to that as well. And of course, I, I feel like my my Ritalin is wearing off right now because I'm just like, <laughs> what are we talking about? But yeah, I, I think there are a lot of great benefits to working with a psychiatrist, too, if if you're able to and if that's something that someone like wants to do. But I've found that even you know, treating some of my lack of focus and anxiety, even treating some of those things pharmaceutically is not the same as fixing, you know, inner narratives and, and like long-term mm -hmm. feelings about yourself. Hmm. Do you have an example that you would be willing to share about maybe one of those narratives and how you flipped it? Yeah. So I think something that I get really hung up on is I personally know about myself that when I get into a project with a lot of steps, I will likely hit a point where it's, it's hard to complete. Mm -hmm. I think that always feels really daunting. I think it's very easy to become, you know, defeated even before I begin, right? Something that my therapist, I think, has helped me focus on is just doing something like 10% better. It doesn't have to be complete. Just just make 10% progress. Make 5% progress, mm -hmm. which I think I it's so strange because I think it's so simple, uh, and yet I had never thought of that before. And so I think to hear someone else say that and recommend it um, and then start practicing it, it has been actually really helpful. No, that's great. And I feel like that's something that is a helpful reminder for all of us sometimes too, even if we don't have ADHD when things are Definitely. daunting. doesn't always have to be perfect, just has to be somewhat completed and that's good enough. Yeah, which I, I think also, yeah, it's like even, you know, even if something's complete but it's not perfect, like that's still better than it not being done. So I, mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of interesting stories that we tell ourselves around bigger uh, projects and, and stuff like that. And it can get really like overwhelming, but yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be. So. Mm. Yeah. Okay. One, just, this is like side note, but it's so interesting to hear you talk about it, Caitlin, because it wasn't until recently that like Andrew started talking more about having ADHD and the smallest of things that he just like doesn't have interest in. Like, it's not going to happen unless I, like, ask him multiple times or, like, show some sort of, like, 
yep. slight irritation to be like, <laughs> if I don't give him some sort of motivation, it just is never going to happen. So yeah, just when you were when you were saying that, it just really resonated, like with my experience with him, you know, where yeah, yeah, I don't know when he doesn't have interest in something, like just being it's like, like it's not we have get done. to yeah, yeah right, but it's yeah. like we have to make a little bit of progress, right? Like mm -hmm. it's the it's the tiniest things, like prime example that I have in my mind, laundry, no initiative will never happen, you know, but I'm, I'm like, oh, if we can, you know, we don't have to do it all today, but we're going to do like just our pants, you know, like one load of laundry and that will be something. And it, if he knows it's only going to be a 30 minute, you know, or like 30 minutes and then 30 minutes of drying, he's like, oh yeah, I can get that done, you know, but like outside of that, if you don't pitch it like that, it's never going to happen. So it's just so interesting. I don't know to just think about the way your little brains is wired. I know. I, know. <laughs> I, I feel like I, I'm always like mad at, I'm just like, why can't my brain just conceptualize this and do this? And then I remember mm -hmm. like brains are neat with electricity and like chemicals and that, you know what I mean? Like there's just, it's, it's unpredictable. It's going to be unreliable in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think, uh, Lane, you mentioned something specifically about how you have to like pitch it in a certain way for that thing to get done and that that resonates with me because yeah i think when um things are like time boxed or like very explicitly like these are the expectations or like this is going to be the output or the outcome or whatever then it's much easier to be like all right um you know i think i can i think i can do that and i i feel like for me uh part of that comes from I think every human being has like a limited amount of like executive function points, but I feel like for me, it's like something that might take someone else 10 minutes could turn into like a 20 minute, 30 minute thing. Uh, if I get super distracted or if I get obsessive about like, well, is this actually done? And then it's like, I have to, you know, if it's, if it's like, I'm trying to think of an example not like not something like doing the dishes because I think like that is just habit. Like you can just kind of like zone out mm -hmm. and just do stuff. But if it's Trick something yourself. that requires, yeah, like if if it is something that requires your actual engagement and attention, then that is going to be a whole thing. And it it's I, I've found it hard when like people throw uh, like surprises or something into my day. Because it's like, oh, the budget didn't allow for this. Like my executive function budget <laughs> is not it's not here for this. No, that's such a good analogy, though, to help other people think about it, too, of like, yeah, you already had it set out in your mind and that's going to throw the whole rest of the day off, which isn't fair. Yes. Which and that's that's so hard, too, because I think life is full of unexpected things. But like, yeah. Yeah, it can be so challenging, especially if it's something that you genuinely would want to do. Like if it's, um, mm -hmm. you know, like a fun thing or something having to do with like friends, and you want to be there for your friend. It's like, oh, my gosh, I just I do not have the executive function points for this today. Like this is really mm -hmm. hard. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Thinking about work, how does it manifest itself for you at work and how have you learned to put all of your pieces together personally, yeah. you know, like when that, when that does manifest itself. Mm -hmm. That's a really good question. I think there are so many 
interesting things about the specific work that I do because so much of it is like, like first of all, I think like so many of us, it's in a computer. And so it's not even like physical tasks. And I think that alone can be such a, an interesting, challenging component. Um, mm. And maybe lots of people feel that way. Like, I, I don't know. I feel like the teams that I, I work with are like, they put a lot of emphasis on process to make sure that things do have a clear end goal. Uh, and one of the most frustrating things, and I think this is inevitable, I think in, in most kinds of work, sometimes the the end product is, it's not even that it's it's different. It's just like things have changed along the way. And I think that's a totally natural thing that's going to happen. Um, but that is always very jarring for me. Like uh, in, in my industry, we call it like scope creep or something. You know, it's like mm. it's like the the scope mm -hmm. of whatever you're doing has now grown and things have changed. And that's always really jarring to me because I'm like, oh, my God, this wasn't what we agreed upon. Like, why is this happening? <laughs> and so like <laughs> stuff like that. And like this, this sounds so silly, but I think to it's almost like riding a wave. Like, I think sometimes mm. I just have to remind myself that it's like, you know what? It's going to be a lot easier to just not fight this and to kind of uh, just like relax into this and, and figure out like where this is going now. It's like, so certain things have changed. Certain elements are different now. And it's like, okay, like, let's just not, <laughs> not get worked up over this. Like it's, it's not worth my my emotional um, frustration to, to get bothered by stuff. But um, mm. I think that's just sidebar. That is another really interesting thing about ADHD that I, I didn't realize, but I think like really strong emotional responses can be part of it. And I don't know if it has to do with emotional regulation or dysregulation, but yeah, for years I was just always like, wow, I'm just like really bothered by a lot of things that no one else is. And I, I realize now that it's, I think part of, it's just part of ADHD, but yeah. So that is a fun fact. Not me over here, like self-diagnosing right now. <laughs> yeah, no, I was like sitting here wondering, I'm like, the more I learn, it's like, yeah, maybe I'm maybe I'm pitching to Andrew to also motivate myself at this point, question mark. Like, you know, uh, <laughs> I think there are a lot of people who are either maybe diagnosed with something else or, you know, so they receive another diagnosis or um, they're just simply not diagnosed until later. I, I, I personally think about how. If we lived and worked in like some sort of agrarian society or something, I don't even know if I would notice my ADHD. I, I think just naturally in the world right now uh, and just in general, anything basically post-industrial revolution, it's like there's, you know, productivity is increasing and demands for that productivity continue to increase. And I think there are a lot of stresses and strains on us as human beings. And I saw, I think this was like a tweet. I wish I could actually remember what it said but it was from a few months ago it was like um we've never been more removed from nature mm. and i i feel like that makes a lot of sense i mean it's like if I, if i go through my usual every day like i could essentially not spend more than like five minutes outside and just everything is normal and like i've you know like my life is automated to just be in this way and anyway all all of that to say I, I'm not surprised if if there are a lot of people out there who have ADHD who haven't maybe been diagnosed. I'm also mm -hmm. not surprised if 
if our brains are in a point right now where it's just like, wow, this is a lot of stuff like we're not really designed to do. (laughs) So it's that's, I think, a, a constant challenge. Should I say it? Capitalism? Yeah. <laughs> say yes. the word. Say, say the, the word. word. <laughs> Not you being like, we're supposed to be more productive than ever. And my brain is like, this is why I'm so deeply unhappy sometimes. Like, uh. And it, it sucks. Uh, yeah. I, I agree wholeheartedly. And I think, um, yeah, <laughs> that's something that I feel like we could go on about forever, but we won't yeah, do yeah. that. <laughs> not not on this um, episode, separate up. Not now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking about not wanting to sound like my mom, right? But when you mentioned the part about just how our brains might be like, oh, we're not supposed to have all of these things constantly happening and just thinking about the way our brains are wired, right? We're we were used to a hundred years ago there was none of this mm-hmm. you know and now all of a sudden like this quick evolution of technology and work and etc has just required so much from us and it just makes me think like you know like our brains just are trying to process a lot all the time with constant access to information so it's just weird to think I'm about, about to you know have an existential crisis about this like that is such a good point i hadn't <laughs> thought about that like a hundred years ago I, I don't know how far away are you how many mile, miles are we all right now and we're talking at each other through a screen like why is that normal yeah that's not normal right like that <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah none of this uh and i i think something that always bothers me is how it feels like um I don't I mean I guess <laughs> I, I, I frame this to be like one thing that bothers me it's like there are just endless things that bother me with like technology <laughs> and stuff but it it does it feels like it it almost demands to be consumed you know and it's set up in such a way and it's nothing this is nothing we've not heard before right it's like we mm-hmm. I think we're all aware of how addictive certain things can be but yeah it, it's just it is so strange it's a real wonder what 30 minutes outside will do. Like if I'm just so grumpy and so sad and I'm like, oh, that's all it took. It's literally all it took. Yeah. Now I'm just going down this whole rabbit hole in my mind of like, it took millions of years for humans to evolve to the point that we are. And it took a hundred for us to like completely change. You know, it's not like we didn't, we didn't have time to adapt, evolve or anything. We're just all of a sudden like stuck with it. It's a lot. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Uh, cool. This cool, makes cool, me cool. sad. <laughs> I know. I'm fine. I'm. I'm sorry. I. It's okay. It's okay. Oh, womp womp. It's, it's a necessary <laughs> conversation. I think I honestly just try to avoid it most of the time because I always feel an overwhelming sense of dread when we talk about it. But it's necessary. <laughs> it's totally that's, necessary. It, that's so. understandable, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's. Anyways. <laughs> it's a lot. Uh. Um, well, Caitlin, is there more that you want to share about your journey in therapy? Yeah, I think something that I personally find really interesting and maybe other people can relate to this, too, is living with like a strong distrust of oneself. Like you're sort of like, oh, um, I'm either misunderstanding this or and again, maybe this is really common across the board. Um 
but it it feels like I have set up the system, and this is something I talk about with my therapist, uh, where I I just like always keep everyone at some sort of distance from myself. I don't know why it is. I'm not sure how I constructed it, but it it is very much like this. Uh, you know, it's I think there's a fear that like if you show your show your true self to some people, it's like you know, they're not going to respond positively. And again, I think every single person has that experience. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's everything from the strong emotional responses that stress me out about myself to the forgetfulness, to the inability to complete like basic certain tasks. It's like all of those things, you know, you start looking at yourself and you're like, why, like, why am I not a real, a quote unquote, real grown up? Like this feels mm. strange mm. and wrong. So yeah, I've, I've talked with my therapist quite a bit about learning to unmask certain things. Um, and I, I know that this is a term that's commonly used uh, when describing things that I think a lot of people like on the autism spectrum experience too, where it's like they, you know, there's a lot of masking. I think lots of us do it in various ways. I think people on the autism spectrum probably, you know, I, it sounds like they, they do it differently and, and maybe more. Um, but there's certainly some masking there for me that it's hard to figure out ways to break down. As as you might imagine, there are a lot of coping mechanisms that you develop, especially if you're not diagnosed with something until later in life. Or, um, you know, in my case, it was like I was always trying to target the anxiety that I had. Mm -hmm. And so I think, yeah, it's like there are just a lot of different ways that I've tried to like hack you know quote unquote like my my life and getting things done and and trying to solve for those and unfortunately they rely a lot on like very rigid like structures um mm -hmm. you know it's like sort of this desire to create structure where I felt like there there was none which is like common but it's like it's so challenging because sometimes you can't schedule out your entire day in life you know it's like things come up and and so I think one of the, I think some of the the biggest conversations I've had with my therapist over like multiple sessions is just always like how to break some of those down and how to rebuild different ones, which I think, I think is the entire point of why anyone goes to therapy. But um, it's just, it's, it's very shocking if you're not aware that you have these systems in place to then suddenly have those be revealed and you're like oh wow I you know I didn't realize that this wasn't normal quote unquote I didn't realize that not mm -hmm. everyone does this to some extent because I think that was so much of my life as it was like well everyone's like super anxious all the time and like doesn't <laughs> like doesn't think that they're going to be able to accomplish tasks and like you know it's like everyone has this this view of themselves and then you realize like oh I think I think a lot of people nar. have other, <laughs> yeah, like, oh, wow. Nar. <laughs> yeah, our nar. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's, it's always tricky. That's, no, that's great. Thank you so much for sharing. I really appreciate your vulnerability with talking about these pieces, too, because I think it takes a lot yeah. of self-reflection to identify them in the first place, and then being willing to talk about it on the internet is always a little tricky. So thank you for your, your openness and honesty. Well, yeah, I, I appreciate you saying that. I also think if, um, you know, it's like if, if my experiences 
feel familiar to other people and and that might help them understand certain mm. things about themselves and like that's that's awesome. I feel like my my brain sometimes is almost like a like a weird chemistry experiment or something where it's just like <laughs> who knows like why you know it's like it it just does things and and I kind of look at it objectively and I'm like oh wow like that's a really interesting thing that it's doing which I have learned from my therapist is also uh like a, a healthy thing to do. So mm. that's nice. Mm-hmm. So good. So, Caitlin, is there anything else that you'd like to share or promote or talk about before we wrap it on up? I have an Instagram account for my cats, first of all. Um, Amazing. So that one Most is important. Butters and Toast. Uh, you can feel free to check them out on Instagram. There are some underscores in there, but I'm going to I'll leave that to y'all to figure out. Butters and the letter what? N. Toast. <laughs> Butters, good luck. Good That's luck. That's not helpful. This is not how you promote things. Uh, it's Butters underscore N underscore toast. If you wish to follow them. They have 134 followers as Whoa. of the time of this recording. But yeah, I, I'm also a bassist. Uh, well, I, I played guitar for a while. I'm now playing bass in, in a a band down here in the Atlanta area and that band is called Gabby Rots. I will ask Gabby to make sure she's okay with like being associated with me just being like yeah I have ADHD I'm like really bad at things uh on the internet I'm sure she's fine <laughs> with it I'm sure it's okay and I'm also um, in a band <laughs> yeah <laughs> well Caitlin are there any final words that you have for the people so final words. Well, first of all, uh, Lane and Lexi, I want to thank you for having me on today. I really appreciate it. And I've had a really good time. I hope to anyone that feels like this resonates with them, that, you know, they can find support. Uh, I think I think it's easy to get lost down rabbit holes on the Internet and like find misinformation about ADHD or, or any sort of diagnosis. But if you're able to, I, I, of course, wanted to recommend like everyone go find a therapist. But I realized that that there are a lot of barriers to that. So. Well, Caitlin, we loved having you on today. Thank you for joining us. And we'll see you next time. But in the meantime, go to therapy. (laughs) 